Hey y'all, Pastor Steve Berger here with This Is That, where we bring biblical clarity to cultural chaos. Now, if you've been paying attention at all, you know that chaos is on the rise in culture. Therefore, the body of Christ, we must, we must, y'all, be looking for biblical clarity in these very, very troubling times. We have to have a biblical worldview that is rooted in the truth of Scripture, even, even, if that truth that we are committed to ruffles people's feathers and gets people uptight. We have to stand for the truth no matter what. I want to remind you before we get into the word this morning to follow us on all of our different social media platforms uh, at Pastor Steve Berger, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, our YouTube channel. Uh, Make sure on the YouTube channel that you subscribe it and that you sign up for notifications so that you don't miss our weekly teachings, and um, we'll be thankful for you listening. We'll be thankful for you sharing and helping get the word out. All right, um, today I want to share a word with you from Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses nine through twelve. And maybe while you're turning there in your Bible, um, I want to take just a second to let you know um, why I started thinking about these scriptures recently. So several days ago, I posted a video where I was interviewing my friend, Dr. David Foster, who is one of the premier, I mean, just premier experts on same-sex attraction and the LGBTQ community and agenda. Dr. Foster was miraculously delivered out of a very promiscuous uh, homosexual lifestyle. The Lord has done just an amazing work of grace in and through his life. And uh, it's been amazing to to behold what God has done. He's a celebrated author, uh, filmmaker. He's just, God has used him remarkably to let the LGBTQ community know that there is hope in Jesus, that you can be saved, healed, and delivered from that lifestyle, and that you no longer uh, need to live by the dictates of that fallen, lust-filled um, lifestyle. So anyway, I, I shot this this interview with him several years ago. I posted a little clip where he's giving glory to God and testifying what God did in his life, and just it's been seen by tens of thousands of people now, and uh, you know, so many people, believers uh, in particular, just saying, "What a beautiful story! How incredible! Look what God did!" and just glorifying God for His mercy and grace in David's life. And then, of course, the LGBTQ community responds with hatred, vitriol, name-calling, and usually I just leave that stuff alone. I don't respond to them um, because it's enough to hear the truth. But I, I felt a little um, a little bit more compelled this time than I normally do, and I engaged with several of these folks that wanted to, you know, again, hate, name-call, and do what they do so often. I engaged with them. I shared the truth of Scripture with them repeatedly. I even shared scientific fact that the homosexual lifestyle is detrimental to people's life and health. And still, it was like no matter what I said, whether it was biblical or scientific, they just refused the truth. And they just decided to cling to their totally fallen reprobate behavior make all kinds of excuses for it and just, you know, again, with with anger and vitriol, just twist and pervert scripture and call names and all of that. And 
it really was, y'all, it was a, it was a fresh call, a wake-up call for me to understand that my battle, our battle with the LGBTQ plus community, it's not just a difference of opinion. This is a spiritual war that we are in. And these folks, as, as nice as they can be sometimes, um, they, they have fallen prey to Satan himself. They have become victims of his cruel uh, deception and they've just rejected the truth of God. And you can, you can see it really, really clearly when you with love just share the goodness of God in their life. So it was a fresh wake-up call for me to um, unpack this scripture. Obviously, I've read it for decades and known about it, but it helps us see the kind of the progress um, of what happens in someone's life to get them to the point where they, again, just absolutely, with anger, reject the truth of God. So let's check this out. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, the Apostle Paul writes, and he's talking about the end times, the times that we live. And here's what he says, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one, speaking of Antichrist, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Now, let me just pause there real quick to say, beloved, the Antichrist and the Antichrist spirit is fueled by Satan himself. It is powerful, as the scripture says. It is deceptive with its lying wonders and signs and miracles. It is a full-blown satanic assault that will ultimately come in the personification of the Antichrist. But John tells us Antichrist spirit and many Antichrists are already out in the world and they're peddling a satanic agenda that convinces people that they're right when they're wrong and that what they're doing is holy when in fact it's reprobate, okay? So let's go on. He said in verse 10, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Wow, y'all, this is, this is some serious stuff here. Very, very sober passage of scripture. Now let's unpack this. How do people go from being just kind of your run-of-the-mill sinner to becoming so reprobate in their thinking and in their lifestyle that God actually finally turns them over to strong delusion. I mean, serious stuff here. Uh, Romans chapter one, I'll just say parenthetically real quick. Romans chapter one, verses 24, 26, and 28. Let us know, lets us know that God himself will give people up to a debased mind, to a reprobate mind, that God will actually give them up and turn them over 
to the error of their persistently rebellious and vitriolic, sinful ways. I know that that doesn't fit with our image of happy hippie Jesus, but it is a biblical picture of a holy God who will not stand idly by and be mocked and rejected uh, from people who refuse to acknowledge the truth. There is a very real time, beloved, when God turns people over. In fact, I believe we can see historically where God can even turn a nation over because of its stubborn rebellion and commitment to wickedness. All right, so let's 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 go with this this progression here that we see in this passage of scripture. How do people get to this point? Number 1, it starts with people having pleasure in unrighteousness. Like this this isn't just again kind of your run of the mill sinner out there who, you know, pays their taxes on time and 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 you know, is a nice neighbor or whatever. No, this is someone who starts by taking pleasure in unrighteousness, where they know what they're doing is wrong, and with no conviction, they find pleasure in doing that which is unrighteous. They celebrate and affirm that which they're doing, saying that it's righteous when it's unrighteous, finding pleasure in it, when they should be ashamed of it. So that's kind of the entry point into this process that starts, that that escalates uh, with its its judgment upon the the hearts and minds of people. So it starts with pleasure and unrighteousness. Next, it goes to a rejection of truth. It says that they didn't receive the love of the truth, that they rejected it. And so when you go and there's a there's a very fine line between these two things in fact maybe there's there's an even an overlap but when you go from finding pleasure in unrighteousness pleasure in doing what's wrong you're you are rejecting the truth you are saying a violent no to the truth of god you're rejecting it completely you're not letting it, letting God's word have its will uh, in your life. There's a total lack of submission to what God's plan is for your life. So it starts off with pleasure and unrighteousness. Then it gets worse to a thoughtful, premeditated rejection of the truth, no matter how many times you're told the truth. Then when you get to that point, you are opening yourself up to nothing less than full-blown satanic deception. You read those verses, you can can see how this unfolds, where Satan himself gets you so deceived through antichrist spirit. He gets you so deceived that you actually believe that you're in the right and other people are in the wrong that what you're doing is good when in fact it is evil. One of my discussions with this guy on the thread, you know, was calling me an antichrist Christian and that I've got blood on my hands and I'm responsible for people who have killed themselves because of their sexual desires and, um, you know, the oppression that by uh, speaking biblical truth puts on people's lives. And it's just like, dude, 
You are so unbelievably satanically deceived. My heart breaks for you. So again, it starts with pleasure and unrighteousness. It escalates to the rejection of truth. And then it escalates even more to full-blown satanic deception. Well, it even gets worse than that. Because finally, it says that when people give themselves over to these first three steps, if you will, that then God himself will send them strong delusion. God himself gets involved in people's lives. And if this doesn't sober you about God, I don't know what will. But God himself gets involved in people's lives at a certain point, And only God knows when that point is. I'm not pretending to know. But God gets involved in people's lives and with a kind of a you want it, you got it attitude. God then gets involved and sends people strong delusion. It's God saying, okay, you want to reject the truth that much? You want to find that much pleasure in unrighteousness? You want to open yourself up to that much satanic deception? You want it? You got it. And then God sends them strong delusion. God turns them over. And then what's the end? The scripture couldn't be clearer. Damnation. Condemnation. Friends, I'm telling you, this is what we are seeing happening, not just in the United States of America, but around the world. Now, you might be saying, Steve, this is some pretty heavy stuff here. Like, I don't know, I thought God could always forgive and nobody's out of the reach of God. And, you know, what about all of that? What do you mean that God can actually turn some people over to a reprobate mind? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The scripture couldn't be clearer. In fact, we see this, I call this the Pharaoh syndrome. We see this all the way back in the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus. You remember the story, the people of God are, are um, in slavery there in Egypt. God raises up Moses to appeal to, to Pharaoh and to say, you know, hey, here's what God says, let my people go. And so Pharaoh refuses to do that. And then there's the, the back and forth with the 10 different plagues, right? But here's something interesting that happens there. The scripture records for us in Exodus chapter 8, verse 15, verse 32, chapter 9, verse 34, where it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. While God was dealing with him, Pharaoh made a conscious decision to harden his heart, to find pleasure in unrighteousness, to reject the truth, to give himself up to satanic deception. He hardened his heart. It was an intentional thing that he did. Now look at this, friends. Look at this and tremble with me. (laughs) It then says, In Exodus chapter 9, verse 12, chapter 10, verse 1, chapter 10, verse 20, chapter 10, verse 27, chapter 11, verse 10, and chapter 14, verse 8. Here's what it says. And God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Do you see that? It starts off with Pharaoh hardening his own heart, and then it gets to the point where finally it says, 
God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Again, Pharaoh, you want it like this? You got it. You want to be committed to this kind of oppression and slavery and ungodliness, unrighteousness. You want to reject my truth and my conviction and my warnings and my plagues. You want to play games with the truth and say, okay, I'll let the people go and then never let the people go when there's some relief from the plague. God finally says, all right, pal, here's the deal. I'm hardening your heart. Whoa. Whoa. And so then we see the story. What happens with Pharaoh and the armies of Egypt? They end up perishing, condemned in the Red Sea. Swallowed up. Swallowed up. Dead. So friends, this isn't a a lighthearted message. But somebody's got to start saying these things. Somebody's got to start teaching these things. We are in a battle Uh, personally, we're in a battle. The church is in a battle. Our nation is in a battle. And what we see here happening all around us is people finding pleasure in unrighteousness, rejecting the truth, opening themselves up to satanic deception, where ultimately, I fear some of them have been sent strong delusion and a hardening of their heart from God himself and they'll end up being condemned. It's heartbreaking, friends. I gotta tell you, we cannot just be angry. We, we surely can't get to the point where we hate these people that have fallen prey to the enemy. We've got to be able to speak the truth in love. And when they come against us and they name call and they do everything that they do, Man, you have to have a composed heart, a composed mind. Don't take it personally. Understand it spiritually. It is the devil himself who is raging against the truth that you're sharing. You stand your ground. You love people. Don't don't let the enemy pull you into the realm of, of emotions where you respond emotionally. You just stay rooted and grounded in Christ knowing that you're standing with the truth of God and standing in the love of God. You make sure that you do that. So friends, another challenging word for us today, but uh, we got to understand what's going on and we've got to understand what to do about it. So you keep standing for the truth. You keep loving people, sharing the gospel, and uh, we'll see people change. We, We really will. We will see people come to Christ but we've got to speak the truth in love without apology and without fear. Well, God bless you. We look forward to seeing you next time on This Is That. We trust this has been a blessing for you. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. God bless.